And good evening. Hi, my name is Ann McNeil, and I am the Master Wealth Builder, helping to build stronger and better lives and businesses. And I'm very excited to welcome you to another episode of Hashtag My Investing Story. Iona McNeil and myself are volunteers with Better Investing. And Better Investing is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization helping individual investors over 5 million actually individual investors invest and learn how to invest with what's called NAIC, which is known as the National Association for Investors Club in the past, but now we're known as Better Investing. But this organization has helped over 5 million individuals learn how to invest. And so as a result of that, we created this podcast to help regular individuals learn how to invest by listening to our stories of just regular everyday people. We provide unbiased investment education. We're not brokers, we're not investment advisors, and we're not making any kind of stock recommendations. We're simply volunteers sharing our investment education of our friends and family members and volunteers with you. And so with that, we have another exciting guest that's going to share her story. And that is none other than Ms. LaVon Graham Starks. And so with that, Ioni, welcome again to the show. Hi, Ms. LaVon, how are you? I am doing very well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing well as well. <laughs> I don't know if that's grammatically correct, but um, you're originally from Riviera Beach, correct? I grew up in Riviera Beach. A lot of people don't know it, but I was actually born in Philadelphia. Ah, okay. So when did you move down to Riviera Beach? I oh, see, that's the thing. I was only three. <laughs> I was three when my mom moved me to Riviera Beach. So very young. Okay. And uh, right before the show, we talked a little bit about you being recently retired. Uh, when did you retire? How long ago? Oh, my goodness. Oh, it's now it's been a while since I retired from Xerox Corporation. I did 23 and a half years with Xerox Corporation. So it's been about ooh, 13 years now. So I've ventured into other things since then. So I want to I want to jump right into your story because um, coming from what I, what I heard about coming from your background, um, it was very easy to take the safe route, right? Many of us grow up, um, hearing our parents say, you know, go to college, get a good education so that you can get a good job. So with that being said, tell us about your journey, because I mean, sometimes it takes people, if, even if they're working in corporate America, 30 years to retire. So what was it about your journey that allowed you to retire even just within 23 years? Wow, I, uh, thanks for that question. As I reflect back, I think about uh, my, my beginnings. My mom had six kids and she was a single parent. And watching her work two jobs, it was hard. And I said to myself, this is my greatest motivator. This is what I do not want to do. 
I mean, because she was gone in the day and gone at night and six kids at home with a task of different things that we had to do each day. So she did an awesome job raising us. It was five girls and no, four girls and two boys. And the boys were, the oldest was my brother and the youngest was my brother. So in between you had four girls. And the last thing my mom wanted was another mouth to feed. So it was always pumping into us. If you don't wanna be like me, education is the key. But the most important part was having four girls. She didn't want any more babies in the house. So it was bam, bam, bam. This is what you gotta be aware of when it comes to boys. So we were well-rounded as it related to boys. And she also went as far as saying, if you are ready, let me know and we can come up with a plan. So I'm not gonna even talk about the sisters that told us they were ready and the plan came. That means they didn't go anywhere anymore. So as I look back on all of that, I just knew that working two jobs was something I did not want to do and there had to be a better way. So all of us went to college and, and, and I went to Bethune-Cookman University and there I said, you know, when I graduate, I want to work for IBM or Xerox. That was my goal, my plan. And I, and I had it embedded in my head that I want to work for IBM or Xerox because I, I saw them as they came on campus for career day. And I said, wow, that, that's what I want to do. That's, I want to be like those ladies. I, they were very impressive. And so when I graduated, I had a job offer from Kellogg's Corn Flakes. And I'm like, Kellogg's? But knowing what I know now, Kellogg's is a good company. But all I could think about was Cheerios. And I said, I don't want to work for them. So I thought maybe I don't have what it takes to work for IBM or Xerox. Maybe I need more education. So I left Bethune-Cookman, enrolled in Atlanta University at the time, which is now Clark Atlanta. And there I got an MBA. And it was there that I found out that you could be financially independent. Nobody never told me I could be financially independent until I got to graduate school. And that's where I learned I could be my own banker. I said, I could be my own banker. So I thought about it. I said, wow. So again, I want to work for IBM or Xerox. Well, after I graduated from Clark Atlanta University, I had 27 job offers. It was really unheard of to have that many job offers, but it was because of the major that I had. I majored in finance, but I minored in decision science which was a course at the time in 1980, it was, a, it was a major that all the corporations were looking for. They were looking for a way, how do I take, how do I take accounting and finance and, and actually turn it into uh, something that is more of electronic, more of uh, techno technologically savvy type. And it was what those companies were looking for. And I had that, I had the, I had the training. So they were wanting to bring me on board. But again, it was IBM or Xerox. And, and both of those companies made me two very nice job offers. So I had to choose. But the neat part about IBM and Xerox is that IBM actually brought me into Boca Raton when IBM was headquartered there. And I worked for them as a professional student while I was in school at Atlanta University. So I had my taste of IBM. And when I left, they, they made me a beautiful job offer after I graduated and I turned them down and went and worked for Xerox. So I, I felt kind of bad about it because, you know, they wanted to bring me back home. 
And I said, no, I found the man and I wanted to go to Dallas because that's where he was and that's where Xerox is headquarters. So that's where I ended up for 23 and a half years. But it was really at Xerox where I began to make money and, and where I began to try to figure out how do I become financially independent and how do I take the money that I am making and finance myself or whatever it is I want to do. So as I looked into the 401k plan, Xerox had a matching program. And I said, wow, you telling me that if I put in a certain percentage of my salary that you will match it, you will give it to me? That was exciting. And I jumped on it. I got in it and I stayed in it until I left Xerox. But the thing was, is that I, as I looked around my peers, it was only like less than 20% of the entire staff and employees that were taking advantage of it. I could not believe it. I said, they're giving us money. You mean you don't, you don't participate? Nobody was participating. And as we got bonuses, and back then you got like $10,000, $15,000 bonuses, people were spending the bonuses before they got them. I knew immediately mines would not get spent. It was going directly into my 401k plan. And it was there where I was able to take my 401k plan and literally buy and sell stock. And, and they allowed us to manage it ourselves. So it worked out. And that's where I got my first, really first try at uh, financially being independent. And it was there where I would borrow money for myself. I bought my mom two cars while I was working. I mean, I just borrowed from myself, paid myself back. And the neat part about it, you can pay yourself back and reduce the amount that you're saving and you won't even miss it. When I figured that out, oh, it, I was on a roll then. And I, ever since then, I never ever bought a car on a five-year uh, loan or anything. I borrowed from myself, paid myself back, interest and all. So that's kind of how, how it all started. And ever since then, I, I have literally been on a roll and got my kids involved. They're on a roll. And everybody that I meet now, I, I just grab them and say, look, are you paying yourself? You know, you work every day. What are you doing for you? And so and I get into that conversation. And I always tell them, look, I'm not responsible if you buy something that doesn't work. But at the end of the day, it's going to work. And you'll be glad you did. So that's you know, my story. you took us all the way there. I was, I almost was going to jump in and say, pump your brakes, pump your brakes. But <laughs> I have a pretty good memory. So I'm going to uh, back map us, okay. um, you know, but thank you. Thank you for um, sharing all of that and your enthusiasm. I mean, I think that that's exactly how I feel. Like what, once you realize how powerful this type of information can be, it's like, how you how you not jumping on this, you know? So so with that being said, let's let's take it back to when you went to graduate school at, 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 at Atlanta University, now Clark Atlanta University, and you found out about personal finance because you know your story is unique. Most people that go throughout graduate school, even if you do end up in, in the business school, you don't make the connection between accounting and finance to get a job and how you could use it personally. So what specifically happened at Atlanta University for you to realize, oh, I could be my own banker or I could be financially independent? Well, it was there that we actually had like a little investment club where we were talking about investing money and 
and the value of money and, and how money grows. And, and I think the biggest part of it that I really always remember is how you make money while you sleep. And I, was, and I would always say, how do you do that? And why didn't somebody tell my mom that? <laughs> so I said, I want to learn how to make money while I'm sleeping. And so that's when we start talking about investments and stocks. And, you know, we talked a little bit about real estate and the value of real estate and how, you know, real estate is going to be your biggest investment, you know, especially your home and, and, and not getting into your home and say, I'm going to be in my home for 30 years. And, you know, most people we grow up, it's like, okay, I'm going to buy a house and I'm going to be here for 30 years until I pay the mortgage out. Well, back then in Dallas, they weren't thinking like that. They were like, okay, let's get in this house and we're going to stay for five years. And once it, the value of it goes up, we got to sell it. We're going to get another house. And so they were kind of doing those kinds of things. But uh, personally, I, I didn't see real estate that way. I, I said, okay, I want to get into the house and I, and I want to pay as less interest as possible. So I always moved into a resident and I always paid more than the mortgage. And that way, I, instead of 30 years, I, I pay it off in 20 years or get a 15-year mortgage and pay it off in 10 years. So that's kind of what's my route. And then I own the home. So now I can take the home and make it an investment property, which I did in Texas. I made it an investment property. So now I got a home that's paid for and I can rent it out. Everything that comes to me is, is another form of income that I can put into my portfolio. So that's kind of how I did the, the thing. And that's where I learned how to really understand investing was in graduate school. So that's when I left, I was ready. I, I was ready. I just needed the money. So I didn't have the money in grad school. I just had talk and and understanding and, and the people around me were investing, but I had to take my money and eat. So my, my story was a little bit different with the five kids I left at home with my mom, money wasn't coming my way. So it was a little bit different for me. But I do think that's powerful though, because when you don't have money, you can even start to have a plan. Absolutely. Um, we, we had, I think, um, Mr. Mr. Charles, I think, I forget, uh, we had an earlier guest, but he said, you know, one of the best investments you could make right now is time in learning. Even if you can't invest with money right now, if you start educating yourself on these principles and getting a plan together, exactly what you did, by the time you get that job and get the money, the money will already have a plan. And that um, is so true. That is mm -hmm. that is so true because as I reflect back on my entire life, I mean, the plan was the key. I mean, I, I, I sat down and I wrote down everything. I wrote down how many kids I wanted. And I wrote, I even wrote their names down. I had name, I named my kids. I said, I wanted to, to work for IBM or Xerox and I wanted to retire at the age of 45. Well, I had left Xerox two years before I looked back and realized that I literally was 45 years old when I left Xerox. But it wasn't that I'm sitting there counting the days and, and the months and the years. But when it happened and I look back on my plan, I said, wow, I was literally 45. And, and I went into Xerox saying, this is how much money I want to make. When I get a job offer, this is what I want. And then I want every year after that, I had set up the plan. I, I exceeded the plans of what I had for myself in terms of my, my salary. I mean, every job I had, I probably had about 11 jobs at Xerox doing the 23 and a half years that I was there. But every last one of them wasn't like I was sitting down and doing paperwork. 
every one of them, somebody came and asked me, look, I got this position available. Would you be interested? And I, and I was always honored to, to take the opportunity because it was always an increase in pay. And, and I think that just your plan itself is just so valuable. You got to sit down, you got to write it down. And believe me, you, it's not like you got to manage it every day, but if you write it down and, and you start to go to work, it will happen. That's your cue, Miss Ann. <laughs> I came closer so I could start typing. I'm sitting here really enjoying it. I said, I forgot. Oh, I'm, I'm supposed to be typing what she's saying. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Don't worry about it. People got to take their own notes. <laughs> because, LaVon, you are right on my street. And for those that know me know uh, since 1979, uh, when I picked up a copy of Thinking Grow Rich and began to write that plan, I am right now in my 40 plus year on that plan. And I said, I wrote for 40 years, did not know that it would go so quickly. And right now, you know, and, and I have, what will I do when I'm 92? So to listen to you talk about that plan, that's why we created this show. You know, it's not about what we see other people doing and all that. What's important to you? And is it written? Is it written? And yes, is it written with a date on it? With a and date. so, it, you know, what you're saying is so very powerful. We want to just make absolutely sure that those individuals who are listening to this right now and or in the future, write it down. And if you have not yet written your plan, do it now. We're going to challenge you right now as you listen to this program. Do it now. And while I'm at it, I'm going to do a quick commercial. Michelle, I'm going to do my commercial now. We are planning a phenomenal financial empowerment seminar. It's going to take place next Saturday. And Michelle is going to quickly pull up the flyer and we'll share that information with you. Because if you don't have a plan, we're going to bring to you children that have a plan. We're going to bring to you advanced investors that have a plan. We're going to bring to you individuals that can help you with your plan in the different areas of your life. So on May 15th, it's virtual from 8 a.m. Eastern time uh, to 12.30 p.m. And Michelle, we do want to look at the times on that flyer because, because there are individuals who will be following us from another time zone, if you will, on the West Coast, uh, we're really looking at starting at 9 a.m. Eastern time, and it will go until about 2. So we can accommodate those individuals in, in a different time zone. But please plan to join us. Register. We're going to put the link in the chat. You can go to Eventbrite and search uh, Financial Empowerment uh, hosted by um, our Better Investing organization. But we'll look forward to seeing you there. And, and LaVon, this is such a pleasure. I am going to, to uh, come back in, Ione. I'll take my notes later, but right now I'm going to lean back and continue to listen. Thank you. <laughs> yes. So um, for all, again, the link is in the chat. Uh, you can access it. And then if you get our emails, you'll also have it. So don't feel free. Don't, uh, don't feel that you're going to miss it. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to email us at a better investing at gmail.com. So uh, Ms. Starks, I, I have to ask all the way back to childhood and, and maybe maybe after the show, I can I can hear about your mom's, the plan and preparation because uh, 
I don't think my parents have one for me, but I think I can learn from your mama uh, as I prepare for the next phase of my life. But um, getting back, I want to I, I want to pinpoint something because I think I, I I need to make it clear. Um, you know, you grew up maybe in poverty. Poor. Your mother is a black woman um, of a certain age. She probably was born in the 20s or 30s. 30s. Okay. And so she grew up and she had six children and she worked two jobs to, to provide for those six children. So we already know some basic facts. And even without staying, we know some other facts. Uh, she taught you what she knew. Yes. But she did not, did, she did not know investing. No. Uh, but did she know saving? Well, she knew saving from the standpoint of uh, having us understand that there's no money to be had. So what she did for all of us, we every week we took terms of writing out the bills and it did two things for us. And, and, and I clearly remember that. So she would literally sit each of us down if it's our week and we would take the bills and we would take her checkbook and we would literally write the check out and put it in the bill. She showed us how to mail the bill and she showed us how to balance the checkbook. So what that did was when we got to the end of the checkbook and we, and we balanced it and we saw that there was no money there, that was our cue to say, don't ask me for anything. There isn't anything, you saw it. So what's the problem now? What did you need? So that taught us a lesson. It showed us that mom really doesn't have it. We're not gonna ask. We don't need anything. We got everything we need. I mean, of course, you know, during that time, you had to help with the welfare, you know, with the, I call it mystery meat. I mean, because I never knew what it was, but we ate, <laughs> we ate. So I just say food was food at that time. And, and, and I'm not a connoisseur of food. So food doesn't matter to me like that, but you grow up like I did, it wouldn't matter. So <laughs> we ate. And so she, she, she did the best that she could with what she had. And, and I just appreciate all the, the learnings. I mean, just the, the everyday life things and, and how not to get pregnant and, and what you need to do to, to continue education. And more importantly, what you need to do so you don't grow up like I am with children, no father and no money. If you're gonna have the children, make sure you have the money. And that was the interesting part. When I got married, even though I wrote down I wanted two children, I had a price tag on each one of those kids' heads. I said, okay, I will have three if my income was at this level. Because if anything happens with my husband, I wanna be able to live the same lifestyle and I wanna be able to provide for my children without calling on the government, without having to call on anyone for support. So that's kind of how I looked at it. And so I ended up with two kids, obviously because the third one couldn't come because that income wasn't there. So that was important to me. I think that what you raised and the reason I wanted to bring us back to that is, is, is for many of us that did not grow up with learning, investing in the home, we learned other things. We learned saving, we learned hard work, uh, we learned drive and determination. And what's probably more, more important, most important, is we learned what not to do. 
I mean, even if you don't know what to do. That's right. That's right. As long as you know what not to do, I mean, you you on the right path. You at least on the right. Yeah, exactly. you could take the first first right step. Um, but do you remember maybe an age when you made that decision of of both? I I, I don't want to end up like my mother. But even two, I have to do something different. Because again, I think that even though you didn't have the information at the time, that, that world of exposure, the, the world you were exposed to and born into, it did create a certain drive. And I think sometimes that drive is underestimated and overlooked. That, that, that is true. And my mom stressed education. I mean, she... She, I mean, if you were in my home, uh, I mean, our house, man, six kids running around and, you know, homework and, and, and I got to admit, I had an older, older siblings that, that literally started the path. My brother, who's the oldest, I mean, he left, went to Lincoln University for school. After him was Ravona. I mean, my, my oldest sister, she left, I mean, she was on TV. I mean, she was like, I can't even begin to describe her. She was who's who, and she was on the milk carton. We was up at 11 o'clock looking at her on TV because she won something. So, I mean, I wasn't that kid. She read all the time. Ravonna was just different. So I, I give her kudos because she was a good role model. And she she was the one that was helping us with our homework and, and making sure we got it. And she was the one filling out the applications for college. I mean, so Ravonna was like the other mom in the house. I mean, she she's telling my mom what needs to be done. So Ravonna was a little bit different. And I, I got to give her kudos because at the end of the day, she she played a huge role in the home. You know, my mom couldn't do it all. So there was Ravonna. I mean, there, I, I, I don't want to get personal, but, you know, we, 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 we made it through. <laughs> we, we made it through so and we're very close we're very very close to that family my mom she she instilled that in us you only have each other she and it doesn't matter you do not let any little thing come between you and we've learned to if something comes between us we learn to brush it off we keep moving because at the end of the day the love of my life are my sisters and my brother so that's 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 who I have and I know that's who I can always depend on Wow. Wow. Um, do you remember when you were exposed to that investment club at Clark at, at um, Atlanta University? Uh, were you aware of NAIC, uh, National Association of Investors Corporation at the time? No, I was not. Okay. No. And so most of you, most of your learning came from that experience. And then once you started working, did you just maximize your 401k or did you start doing some outside learning about investing? Like, how did you continue to inform and learn about investing um, so that it could, could influence your investing decisions? Well, I think it goes back to my plan. So I had the plan written down and, and on the plan, I actually had a, I wanted to marry a millionaire. And I knew this man was not a millionaire when I married him and I cried through the whole wedding. So that's personal. So I'm gonna leave that right there. But I was being prepared for this millionaire and we, we worked very well together. I mean, we had outside businesses where we were saving. And so, so even though I didn't marry this millionaire, I, 
I grew, we grew to make money. And, and, and that was the exciting part. We worked very well together, even though I left my ex in Texas. I, we're, that's a whole different story, but it worked for us. And um, while, while at Xerox, I mean, I not only did I do the matching program, but I saved 20% of my salary. I mean, I sacrificed 20% of my salary because I said, you know, I really have all I need. And 20%, saving 20% of my salary put me over the top. It was unbelievable. I mean, if you don't have it in front of you, you can't spend it. So, and, and when I learned that, I, it was on. It was really on for me. So that's kind of where I was. But it now, was- Go, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I'm good. No, I'm, I mean, I'm excited to hear, you know, how much your plan and your preparation. And again, I think your preparation really helped you to maximize opportunities when they presented themselves. How did you then expose your children to this new information in, the, in your new life? I'm sure you, you know, mothered in the same way, Absolutely. In, in, a, in a similar way as your mother. But now that you have, you know, um, other experiences, more information, um, what were things you were doing with your kids in childhood? Did you let them, you know, um, do the checkbook? Did you have them handle <laughs> bills? Because I, you know, I think that sometimes, depending on how we perceive our childhood, we can go into overprotective mode and do so much for our children that they actually are not learning how to do for self, you know, and then we expect them to be very self, uh, fu self-functioning and independent when they, when they turn a magical age. So yeah, just kind of walk us through, you know, things that you did with, with your children as you um, were teaching them the, these lessons or at least exposing them to this. Okay, so I, I have two amazing kids. I have a son and a daughter, um, and they're both doctors, by the way. Uh, uh, my 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 son is the oldest. He's a veterinarian, and my daughter is three years behind him, and she's a dentist. So, if I take you back when they were first born, the first thing that my husband and I at the time did was we set up a a savings plan for them. It was actually in stocks, of course. And what the way the money was put into that is whenever we did a tax return. We did not spend the money from the tax return. We split the refund among the two of them. So it went into their accounts. So when they took off to go to college, they knew that it was there. So, um, well, my son, my daughter knew it was there, but my son didn't. We didn't tell him because of his, his whole mentality about money. So we, we had a little work to do with him. But anytime he needed money, we were taking money from the account to send to him. So when he, when he graduated and uh, we turned the accounts over to them to manage themselves, he realized he didn't have as much as his sister. He had less. And so he couldn't understand why. And so when I explained to him what happened, whenever you call a son, guess what? That's where the money came from. So then he was a little bit disappointed. He's like, mom, if you would have just told me, I wouldn't have asked. I wouldn't so, have needed it. <laughs> he wouldn't I have needed it. I thought it was your money, not my money. <laughs> exactly. But today, when I say today, they are literally overboard about uh, making money, about saving. They are overboard. They are they're nowhere where I was put it like that and my daughter's at the point where she says mom I think I can make a living off of that I said you didn't go to school 
to make a living off investment. Just just stick with the dentistry for a little bit longer and then talk about that. But she is like, she's so overboard. They both are. They are so hyped about it. So we have lots of conversations about what's working, what's not working. They hit me up all the time on my cell. Like, mom, did you see this? Oh, mom, did you hear about this? So I get it all the time. I mean, all the time. So no, I, and I love it because it's the type of relationship you want to have with your kids. You want to know that, that they're going to be ready if something happens to them. And I told them my legacy in life right now is not for them. It's for my children's children. So now my legacy is preparing an estate that will take care of my children's children's children. So that's what I'm doing now. I told them not them, you guys are taken care of. So no, I have nothing for you right now. So no, but they're they're doing well. And I and I'm very, very proud to call them my kids. I think that's a, a perfect segue into and, and I'm I mean you you are probably the mother of plans. Um Miss Ann is probably the grandmother of plans. But uh <laughs> <laughs> but um talk to us a little bit about what that legacy looks like for your children's children because for some people, when you say leaving a legacy, depending on what they were exposed to, it's wealth inheritance, it's money only. For some people, it's a little more well-rounded. It's about experiences and money. Um, for others, it's setting up you know, a trust or an account to make sure that, that college is paid for. So if you can just share what your vision is uh, well, for your grandchildren and great-grandchildren in terms of what that legacy looks like? Well, I'm already in the planning stage for my state. So one of the things that I have decided, and, and my grandkids are very much involved. Uh, I have an eight-year-old and I have a seven-year-old. The seven-year-old is, is, is very involved in her, in her accounts. She has, her mom has one set up. Of course, I have one set up. So she's, she's very excited and she, she knows what's going on in terms of that. Uh, my eight-year-old, while her, her parents are not together, she actually knows that she has, a, she has an estate with me and she knows how much it is. And so what I, what I am going to do and what I plan to do is uh, Sweet 16 is going to be huge. We're we, we going to blow it out of the water, Sweet 16. So that's where I will start with the, with the legacy. They're going to remember their Nana. So on the 16th birthday, I already got it planned. We're getting brand new cars. We have the biggest party ever. All right. The most beautiful girls in the world will be celebrating. So that's 16. And then I said on their on their 18th birthday, I will award them monetarily. They will be awarded. And then when they turn 30, I will award them. And so I will have the state set up so that that's kind of how I want to see it flow. So when Nana is gone, you will still remember Nana because Nana going to have something coming your way every on those particular dates. So I'm still in the planning stage for that. I'm, I'm actually going to have it set up with the firm so that it's actually done with all my taxes paid. I'm not depending on my kids to take care of anything in the estate. I will definitely have an outside firm that will be working it. And so there are some uh some matriarchs and patriarchs who put certain milestones in addition to uh, ages. You know, some of may be if you finish college, if you're not yet married, if you stay married for 10 years, um, do you also envision, you know, those type of milestones 
I would never uh, have to stay married because I already know what that's about. So <laughs> what I what I what I would love to see them do is definitely finish school. Well, I mean, school is good, but sometimes kids come out already knowing everything and you you know, they're instant millionaires already out. With with what we have today in terms of technology, I mean, gosh, you can you can do a, a millions of things. It's just that you got to grasp that and figure out what that is and if that's for you. So I, I'm not going to put any limitations on it. I'm just going to do my part at certain ages whereby they will be awarded wherever they are in their life. You know, if they're up above, they still will be bonused. If they are down below, they'll be excited to get it. So that's kind of what the way I'm going to look at it. Beautiful, beautiful. Miss Ann, do you have any questions? Yes, of course. There's a lot of conversation going on in the chat. Ioni, I didn't know if you were going to. Uh... It's already managed. Oh, it's already managed, she says. So what I like to do in, in we didn't we didn't discuss this, but um, her sister, Ravona, and I were friends. <laughs> from a very early age. So I think Ravona was all of our mother. <laughs> yeah, I think she was all of our mom. She was always the smartest in the class and uh, we will follow her home. What I'd like to have you do is share with us a conversation you shared. Uh, we're also from Rivera Beach. So I have to, you know, uh, hashtag I am Rivera Beach. But Devon, you shared a story about your mom saving money and she asked you, and it really was an honor for her to ask you if you would manage her money. Yes. Can you share with our listeners that story, please? Yeah. First of all, my mom celebrated 90 years of life and we are just so pleased to have her here in Atlanta with us, even though she lives in Riviera Beach. But yeah, she just kind of watched me as I was managing my funds. And so she came to me one day and she says, um, look, I have $20,000. And she said, I was saving it. And I really wanted to, one of my, my nephews, get him into college. And so since he took a different route, she said, um, would, you, would you mind helping me with this and I said I would love to and so she gave it to me and and I set up a, an account a brokerage account and that account has turned to six figures in less than 15 years so and she and I show it to her all the time and she just goes I have that much money so, you know, coming up in her era, you know, the era of depression and the era of where you don't have a lot, she just, she just can't believe that it has grown. And, and so every chance I get whenever I'm in her presence, I will pull her account up and I'll show it to her and I always go, we should do something. And so I bought, I bought myself a Tesla and she's like, well, maybe I should get that car. It could take me wherever I want to go. <laughs> so so now we're kind of we're kind of talking about what she should do and I and I always encourage her don't leave it for an inheritance leave it let's let's spend it now that's what I always tell her I say whatever you want to do we can go and we can do it so she'd been thinking what can she do and before that when when I first got the money from her I, what I would do was I would take like, I, cause I knew she grew up in the depression state. I knew money was liking. So whenever it got to a point, I would take like 
7,000 and just send her a check. I wouldn't even tell her it's coming. And she would get the check and she would call me screaming. And it was just amazing. So her 20,000, she spent the 20,000 a long time ago. It's just that the money that's in the account now is just the results of the investment. So she, she just find it just unbelievable. And there were times when she would call me sometimes. She said, have you seen the TV? The Dow went down. I said, I said to myself, wow, this is really funny that she has really gotten to the point where she's looking at it, she's noticing, and she knows when things are up and when things are down, because every chance I got, even though I was living in Dallas, Texas, and she's in Riviera Beach, she would know to pick up the phone and call me if something didn't look right. But at the end of the day, when she look at how the money has grown, and, and she just cannot believe it, and she just shakes her head, and yeah, now I so said you can feel comfortable, you know, knowing that you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, and however you want, because you no longer can say you don't have the money because you do. Yeah. Now, just a quick question, Ioni. So was that amount of money, I mean, did you add more money to that really was the question? No, that what happened was, if you remember about 15 years ago, the market was killing it. Oh, it was booming. And so what I did was I tried to stay on top of it. What, and I researched whatever I bought. Whatever I bought, I always researched. I always got counsel. So I was around people that are millionaires. They say you want to be like them, you be around them. That's important. So I always had friends that were millionaires and I would always counsel with them, especially if I'm on the golf course. I always ask questions, find out what's hot. And so once I find out what's hot, then I would immediately go and, and invest but I always tried to monitor it. And if I saw that it was taking a turn for the worse, like for example, Zoom, when Zoom first hit, remember Zoom was like, it came out, I think I got it for like $75 or something like that. And it went all the way up to $588. Well, that, that resulted in a huge gain, but look at it now. I mean, it's tilting down because everybody is Zooming. Facebook is Zooming, everybody is Zooming. So it's no longer a big hit. So you gotta know when to get in and you gotta know when to get out. So you gotta really pay close attention to any investment that you make. And so along the way, I was paying attention to what I had her invested in. So I know when to come in and when to come out. Okay, so that was very important. So I did pay attention to her investments and I was able to grow it to look like that. And you're not a financial planner. I am not a fine. Everybody asks me that. I am a certified tax executive. I do tax returns on the side. I do most of them now for free. I do a lot of senior citizens. I do corporate returns and I have some rich, some uh, millionaire friends that I do their returns for as well. I used to do more, but yeah, I really want to play more golf. So I try to uh, limit what I do. And then I try to help some people with their, with their, uh, their accounting and if they don't, I give them two years. If they don't meet my standards, then I tell them, you know what? This letter is a letter that simply says I can no longer represent you as your tax preparer and that you have to find someone else because I can't have you mixing your personal funds with your business. I just can't because it makes me look bad. So I, and it's my way of trying to minimize my clients now that I, now that I want to do some different things. So that's where I am. So, and, and, and thank you for sharing all of that. I mean, because to be self-taught, I think is, is a beautiful thing. And, and it's important that um, others know that 
people that look like them do it and uh, without a silver spoon in their mouth um, or even without what they could consider privilege. But I think one crucial question I wanna ask you is, how did you develop a sense of um, steadfastness, just in the sense of what made you become and stay a long-term investor? Watching, my, watching money grow will make you stay long-term. I mean, at the end of the day, when you look at your, if you're in, in the 401k plans, that right there is enough to make you want to stay. Because if you do the math, okay, let's say that you are earning, let's say you're up to $100,000 in your 401k plan. This is just an example. And you're saving 20% of your, your income. Well, you can borrow from yourself in your 401k plan and you can buy a major, a major deal, like a car. You could buy a car, pay for it yourself. Well, instead of saving 20%, now you cut that down to 10%. The other 10% will pay for the car each month. You're paying yourself back. So if you, if you look at it from that standpoint, that's where your financial independence come into play. That's where being your own banker come into play. I mean, it's all transparent. It doesn't cost you anything, but you gotta, you gotta make that start first. You gotta start with the funds going into the plan in order to beef it up to the amount where you want it to be. So that, that's what made me say, you know, this is for me for a lifetime. I mean, I, I can't see being any other place. Watching money grow and, and sleeping wide, make money, no brainer for me. And what would you say to new investors? Uh, where should they start? How should they start to think um, in order to kind of get them on a path of realizing the power of money and the power of investing? You know, I own, I think the, the biggest problem that, that a lot of friends that I have have is thinking that they need thinking that you need something that you really don't need i mean something as simple as a pair of shoes i mean how many pair of shoes do you have and sometimes it's the little simple things that we think we need that we really don't need and so to me every time you think you need something if it's fifty dollars that it costs then take that fifty dollars and, and put it away just save it I mean, don't even don't buy it. You'll be surprised at the things that you think you need, you really don't need. And I, when I came to realize that there are so many things that I don't have to have that I already have that will work for me, it was a no-brainer. So just start where you are. Think about it. When you get ready to think you just have to have something, ask the question, do I really need this? And if the answer is no, then take whatever you are about to spend and go put it away for yourself and save it. So you got to start somewhere. And I would say start at work. Find out if your company have a 401k plan match. If they have a match, there's no way you shouldn't go get it. It's free money. They're giving you money. They're giving you money to save money. And the number of people that do not participate in that is so unbelievable. Unbelievable. But find out if your company have a 401k plan. If they do, get in it, find out if they match it. If they are, match to the max. Because I promise you, you will not miss whatever it is you say because you can't spend it if you don't see it. You can't spend it if it's not in your bank account. So with the 401k plan, guess what? They take it out of your check before you get it so you won't see it, so you won't have it to spend. And you'll be, and you'll be surprised. It will not hurt.
it, it will not hurt. So I encourage you to do that. And you're going to look up and go, wow. Well, thank you. I mean, hearing your story and um, listening to your path, I mean, to, to have come from where you came from and retire at 45, that is truly aspirational, especially without being exposed to investing at the, in the home um, and being, you know, yeah, just the first to experience a lot. And so um, you really showed us what, how to make gold out of base materials, how to transform what we're given, uh, be very clear about what we don't want, let that guide us to what we do want, and setting a plan, sticking to the plan, being as detailed as possible, uh, because that really gives us a focus, you know, and I think I think you raise a really good point because one thing we probably didn't talk about is, you know, a lot of people just don't have a plan for money. You know, they just want to go to work. They just making a living. But the thought process past that there is none. So thank you for sharing your story to show us how proactive we can be. Um, and again, for anyone that, you know, is interested in learning more, especially about how to start investing, um, please join us at betterinvesting.org. Um, join us for the Better Investing Financial Empowerment Seminar that we are gonna be doing on May 15th. We are gonna have a host of speakers, many of them are Better Investing volunteers because all of us are not like Ms. Starks and, and we may not have the self-initiative um, to start, but if you, like she said, if you get around other people that are already doing it, and that's what Better Investing is, it's a, a nonprofit focused on investment education where all of us are either experienced in doing it or new in learning, uh, but all of us are learning. So feel free to feel supported by Better Investing, by joining Better Investing. Uh, check out uh, the chapter nearest you. Or if you want to check out anything virtual that um, the South Florida chapter is, is having, um, just again, go to betterinvesting.org and type in South Florida uh, in the search box and you'll go to our chapter page. And if you hit local events, you'll see what we have coming up. Uh, but with that, I'll give you um, the last words, Ms. Starks, if you want to um, give us any parting wisdom. Well, I mean, I just want to say thanks for having me. I mean, this is a first for me. I'm not used to telling my story, but I, I still have that dream of becoming a millionaire. And, and as, I, as I look at the plan that I set before myself and, and, and all my assets, I, I, I guess I, I uh, can shout for joy that it can be done. I mean, when you look at your net worth and uh, you, you add it all up, I mean, you can be, you can be a millionaire. It's it's possible. I'm even though I wrote it on paper and 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 I trust God to to uh, to answer my call. I can say that He has, and 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 I and I'm so grateful. I'm so humble, and and now my job now is like I said is is the legacy for for my children's children, so that you know they will be awarded some things that 
I didn't have as a child and I don't want them to go without. So if you, if you don't want your children's children to go without, then put a plan in place and, and watch it work. I mean, it really does work. I, I am a true witness that writing it down, it works and you don't have to monitor it every day. Like I said, I was retired at 45 and it took me two years before I looked back and realized that I literally wrote that down and it, and it actually happened. And I wrote down two children. I got them both with the names that I had for them. So, and I, IBM was Xerox. I got them both. So it, it can be done. I mean, I, I do a lot of detailed stuff from what the man looks like to the size shoe that he wears. So, so I do a little bit of all of it in every aspect of my life. And, and I like to go back and journal my, my trip, my road. And, and I do the same for my children to watch them grow, to, to see them and see how they blossom. So it's, it's, it's a journey and, and it's a good one. You, you can make it what you wanna make it. But at the end of the day, pay yourself. I, I always tell people, pay yourself. If you work every day and at the end of the week, you have nothing left, you did not pay yourself. So take a moment and pay yourself, put it aside because you never know when you may need it. And, and it's a good feeling to know that if I need it, I know where to go, financially independent, borrow for myself, take for myself. I don't have to go to the bank. I don't need a loan. I don't need to get an equity on the house. I don't need any of those things. Simply go to my own cell, my own bank, find it, get it, do what I got to do. If I want to put it back, put it back. If not, keep going. So that's my advice. Pay yourself. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. All right. Thank you both. Thank you both. I do also want to remind everybody to join us at the Better Investing National Convention that's going to be held in, of course, Dallas, yes, <laughs> at the Western Dallas Park Central. And that is on October 21st, 2021. And of course, on that Saturday, we will have an in-person financial empowerment day for the entire day. So like Ioni's already shared, that investing is offering a 90-day free membership. If you're interested in learning more, you can go to betterinvesting.org. And we're going to wrap up, Michelle, with the flyer. If you can bring that back up, because we do want to encourage people to please comment, like, and share this show, because we've shared a lot of information here uh, today. And we want to just continue to remind you, like uh, LaVon just said, please write the plan. And uh, uh, one of my favorite books says, write the vision and make it plan, plain. So next Saturday, join us for the financial empowerment on May 15th from 9 a.m. Eastern to 2.30 p.m. Eastern time. And it's free. Uh, it is virtual. And we will look to see you there. So with that, uh, everybody, good evening. And we want to also please want to make sure we give a shout out to all of our, our guests that join us. Many of you join us every single week. Uh, and our support, because we could not do this, Michelle and Marshall and Doretha, without you. Uh, this podcast is also on um, Block Talk Radio. If you want to share it, Tremaine and Ann Newman, all of you that join us all the time, thank you. And even our new guests, thank you so very much. And until next week, we will see you again. Remember, hashtag my investing story. Thank you and good night. <laughs>
Thank you.